Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Harvey Friesen. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. If you were here for Christmas Eve service, uh, I, I mean, look, I work here and that was just over the top to see balloons coming out of the ceiling and confetti and Pastor Doug shooting toilet paper, which is gold, toilet paper all around, never know what we're going to need this year. Uh, it was a great time. One of the fun things, I was fun's kind of a shallow word. One of the rich things in my life is the beauty of being able to actually know Pastor Doug personally and to know the staff personally. And I mean, these are good people. I mean, what you saw here was him over a year of celebrating and, and celebrating God as good and blessing in our lives, but also just this joy of, hey, if Jesus wasn't born, we'd have nothing to celebrate in this world. It'd be a dark, awful, down, downcast, why so downcast my soul kind of world. Uh, anyway, Christmas Eve was beautiful and a wonderful time. There were a couple of songs that we sung this morning that were powerful. I don't know if you saw that song or not, but I've seen you, I've seen you move mountains and I believe you will do it again. I've seen you move mountains and I believe you'll do it again. We serve a God who moves mountains and who is ready to do it again ready to do it again. So many people, I, I saw something about 2020, 20, 2021, sort of wanting to do a funeral service for the year. It's like, get over and past all this. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, there were difficult times in the middle of it all. But look, 2022 is standing right here in front of us, and our God is willing to stand with us. He's willing to stand with us. And that is great news for a world that we live in, and it's great news for your life and mine. I've got a couple things up here on the stage with me this morning. I have my, I, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, I bought, I, I flew home on Thursday. My family and I, we usually take a vacation between Christmas and New Year's. And I bought a bottle of Icelandic water. So I'm hoping the sermon's going to be just a little bit more, be- a little bit better, a little more adventurous. So I brought my Icelandic water. It's a joke. Okay, a little product placement. More importantly, I brought some anointing oil up here. And that is at the end of the service, I'm going to pray over people and invite you to come forward. And if you would like to be anointed with oil for the coming year, and you'd like to have the blessing of God prayed over you pastorally, I will do that for you and with you here in the front. Um, I'm going to tell you also as well, I know that some of you, um, we come here because we want to believe something. One of the great things about this church is that we believe the word of God, but we have faith to act on it. We have faith to act upon it. See, even the demons believe and shudder, but they don't have faith and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save them and to bring them hope in life. Faith is different than belief. And I want to say one other thing, and that is, is this is what's powerfully important is that you're going to make it through this next year and not just survive, not just hang in there, but thrive if you go from belief to faith. And that is you put your faith into actions. We live in a world that's literally on fire. I want you to see the church that Shadley and I were in for 30 years before we came here uh, to this church. This is Boulder Valley Christian Church. And those fires you saw, that church was ground zero. And that fire burned right there from the southwest on Marshall Road and and Cherryvale, right over. We own 35 acres of land uh, uh, and this building 35 acres going back from there, that, that whole entire area burned. And it is sorrowful. 
We know over 100 people uh, that their houses, uh, 20-some of them houses, but over 100 people in aggregate whose houses are burned to the foundation, burned to the foundation, got out with the shirts on their back. But I want you to see something. This is a picture here, okay? And I'm not saying anything funny about whether that building made it or not. I sected all my friends. You know what? The building survived, but the building is not the church. The church is the people. Amen? Okay, church is the people. You're the people, all right? This stuff is going to burn someday. You are going to be with the living God. Uh, But I want you to, today, as we start out the beginning of this year, we had all that celebration and all like that. And now as we start, I want you to just pause. (sighs) Take a breath. Even these people who are represented by that church building there, take a breath. And I want you to hear this verse. Psalm 46, verse 10 says this. It says, cease striving and know that I am God. I want you to notice something. I handed out handouts, by the way. They're in your pews there, rows or whatever. If you're online, they're up there. You can download them as well. A little sheet, if you will, a cheat sheet, sort of the uh, coach's notes. If you always wonder what the coach has got and his little highlights and like that, you're welcome to have them. I just put them out for you. That's what we're going to talk about today. But if you notice in there, that word striving is italicized because the Hebrew language only says this, cease and know that I am God. Anybody who's a parent knows that feeling of when you yell, stop, don't move one inch because your life or foot or finger or one of your siblings' foots or fingers is depending upon you, stop. This verse is written like that. Cease and know that I am God. Okay, we're going to start out the year like that a little bit because I want, I want to ask you a serious question. Is, you know, that joke I put up there at the top, there's a guy who's sitting there reading the newspaper and he's got the newspaper pulled out and he has this worried look on his face and his friend is holding a Bible and it says, why don't you stop wondering what's wrong with the world and read the manual? When we stop wondering what's wrong with the world, the world is on fire physically, uh, literally, and metaphorically. Cease and know that I am God. If you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your lives, this may be the most important morning of your life. You're coming here and you're going to hear how the gospel of Jesus Christ is extended to you to receive you and to give you salvation and to stand between you and the fires of life. I want you to see the cross that we put up on the back of our church building there in Boulder, Colorado, because CNN put it on the news this week. This is a picture coming out of that church building, looking to the southwest of our church, and there you see the cross we built. That cross still, get it, ready, is standing right now. Help that we made it out of wrought iron, but it's standing right now. Let me ask you a question. What's standing between you and the fires in your life? I come here not because uh, I got it all figured out. I come here because I don't have it all figured out. People ask us, why did you move to the valley? We tell them we came to be a part of a church. We love being a part of this church. But we came here knowing that Jesus Christ stands in the gap for our lives. Who stands in the gap? For your life. 
not playing a game. It's not Thursday night at church camp. Not going to play the music a little more movingly or anything like that. Just going to ask you the question, where do you go when the fire of life comes at you? I want us to start out this year by praying, and I want you to, if you will, just bow your heads with me. I'm going to pray like they did in the Old Testament. They would raise their hands up into the heavens. They would lift their eyes up to the Lord, and they would pray to the Almighty God. You are a worthy God, and you are worthy to be praised. You are the God who made Canis Majoris, the big dog star, the greatest thing that we've seen so far with enormity beyond anything we can imagine. And you are the God who made laminin, the protein molecule that holds every cell together and does so in the shape of a cross. You are the God who is awesome and worthy of our praise. And we come before you before 2022 and we cease. And we know that you are God and we exalt you because Jesus Christ is lifted up. And Father, I pray that you would lift up your spirit over this body and that you'll pour it out over us as we study your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, the church said, amen. All right, so let's start out. And, and, and I'm, I'm a pragmatist, okay? A pragmatist is a person that says, I love God, I believe in him, and all like that, what are we gonna do today? I mean, what, how are we moving? I mean, where, what does that mean? right? Is that if we're going to follow God, then what does following God look like? Because see, a lot of times what's happened is, is that your culture and my culture has been sold this idea. And that is, well, you're born a Christian or you're born a Catholic or you're born a Democrat or a Republican, or you're born a this or a that or whatever. No, no, hold on. We're not. We, Jesus has no, God has no grandchildren. You have either received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, or you haven't. And you have to come to that place. This could be the most powerful day in your life. And that is, do you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and have you received him to be the one to guide, lead, and direct your life because his salvation was offered to you on that cross? And does it require you and I being humbly, humble before him? Absolutely it does. But he leads us to himself, and it starts in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want you to see Deuteronomy 6. It's on your paper. You can follow along as well. It's called the Shema. The Shema, by the way, is the Hebrew word for listen. Okay? Listen. And what does he say listen to? These are the commands and the decrees that the laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. This is obey uh, Moses. To observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. They were going into a new place. You're going into 2022. Joshua chapter 3 verse 4 says this. You're going to a place you've never been before. 2022 is that same place in your life. You've never been there. You don't know what it looks like. You've got a few ideas. But you've never crossed over. The first thing to do before crossing over is to know the morals of God, to know the decrees of the wisdom of God, and to know the spiritual laws of God. Look at what I've written out here for you, and that is this. The Judeo-Christian model was that we would know God's morals, that we would know God's wisdom, and that we would know natural and spiritual laws. This could be the year where you go, okay, I'm going to step forward a little bit more. I'm going to worry a little less. I'm going to pray a little more. I'm going to stop fooling, fooling myself with just common sense, and I'm going to live my life on biblical sense. This could be the year. I love the beginning of the year because it's a refresh and it's a restart. I was doing a master's degree when I was 29 years old, uh, living life there in Boulder, Colorado, pastoring in that church, uh, about to have a couple of kids, and I'm working on my degree and like that. And I took this class called the Pastor's Personal Life. And in there, they challenged us and said, what are your goals for your life? And I said, man, I'm just happy to be alive. 
Some of us feel that way as well. The Bible actually encourages us that we would have commands and morals and decrees and laws and we would be purposeful about how we go about living our lives. The first of the year is a great time to do it. I wrote 14 pages, single-spaced, of all the goals that I've had for my life. Whenever I do premarital counseling, I share that with every couple and walk them through those goals and desires and what we're working on and how I've been doing it and the plan that I've been after. Not because I'm a planner, I'm actually really not a great planner, but I'm a person that says, if God says that these things should be in my life, I want them to do that. My goals are written under three head headings, right? Ready for them? Number one is that my goals are that I would love God first, that I would love my neighbor second, that I would love myself. What would that look like and how do I play those things out? I go through those on the 31st of December. Most every year I go through my goals again and look at them and say, okay, we moved here. We didn't grow there. We did this, this, this. And then we seek the Lord for what we're going to do next. Turn over to the back and bottom of that sheet I gave you. I've given you a place. What's your game plan for this year? What's one word or phrase from God to focus on your life this year? And at the end, I'm going to offer you to be able to be prayed over and anointed with oil for you as you go out. If you think you can do 2022 on your own, peace of God, you really need me to pray for you. Okay? If you want God to go before you and be that cross and guide you and do that, then you come forward and we'll pray and anoint you as well. And if everybody comes forward, whether well, one we'll just splash the oil all over and pray real fast. Okay? I want you to hear something. The commands of God, the morals of God are not a list of don'ts. They're a list of do's. They're a list of do's. Okay, so what do we want to do? Uh, look down with me, if you will, on, uh, as we move forward. J Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. As the people now are going into the promised land, into the promised land, here's how God dares them with the word of God given through Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. The, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. As you're going through this year, one of the things that you want to do is that you want to be in the Word of God on a daily basis. I use that Bible app. I missed a day. Nine, today is 99 days in a row. I missed one 100 days back, right? Well, it's not about whether I hit it every day. It's about whether or not the Word of God is in my life on a regular basis. Here's how I read the Word of God. Okay, let me encourage you in a couple ways. I use the Bible app. I take Proverbs as well, and that is any day of the month, I can always find a chapter of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. There's 28 to 31 days in every month. Whatever day it is, open it up and start to see the wisdom of God. And then when you're doing that, ask God this, Lord, what wisdom on this page would you want for me to dwell on today? Don't just read it. Read enough until he says, stop and sit in it. Okay? You can do that. I'm telling you, it will bless your life. And, what, and here's God's challenge for your life. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. God dares you to do it, and you'll see success. Not success the way the world says, but success. I don't judge my life against your life. Don't judge your life against my life. Let us put our lives up against God and say, Lord, what would prosperity and success look like in my life with you? One of the greatest struggles we have going on in our world, I said it over Christmas, and I'll say it one more time. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. 
what if we got off that crazy train? What if what we did was, is we said, Lord, prosperity will be driven by what you think is prosperous in my life. I have been blown away. Remember that song? You have moved mountains and you move them again. He is that kind of a great and mighty God. He offers us those promises, and then you will be prosperous, and then you will have success. Here's where I would look at four areas that I think that it really matters, where I actually go to God and say, Lord, I want prosperity and success in these places, in my relationships, in my finances, in my physical health, and with unresolved conflicts. In my relationships, let unselfishness and serving each other and personal responsibility guide you. Those three things matter more than anything. Whenever there's a divorce, whenever there's a company that falls apart, whenever there's a breakup, whenever there's something awful that happens, whenever some kid throws their keys, rocks out, and never comes home again, it's usually been built off of something that happened where we stopped serving each other and selfishness took over rather than unselfishness. It's usually selfishness. It's no, I want, I want, I want. And the danger of the fire of the world you're living in and I'm living in it actually encourages selfishness, doesn't it? It encourages selfishness. And we wonder why we're so lonely and alone and broken, but we have actually formed and fomented and celebrated and encouraged a life of selfishness. Hear me on this. It's who you go with that matters and being unselfish and serving another and taking personal responsibility for your actions. It matters. My, my grandfather was sent to a concentration camp. My mom moved to America. She said, I'm going to marry an American, move to an America because I'm going to start over fresh in my life. She didn't live with this notion of all these wrongs that happened to us. It was, okay, now how do we go forward? That is a biblical gift if we're willing to have it. Finances, lived by this, encourage you to do it. Whatever number you get to, I don't care about the silly argument about gross versus net, before taxes, after taxes, whatever number you finish with. Spend 80% of it, save 10% of it, and tithe or give 10% of it somewhere. That's been a principle of living my life. Secondary corollary to that, spend less than you make. Best advice probably I've ever been given. Just spend less than you make. Become at peace with money. Don't let it be your God. Physical health. My little simple line, deduce down. Keep moving, you'll keep moving. Stop moving, you know, stop moving. So keep moving. Keep moving. What does that look like in your life? Keep moving, keep moving, stop moving, stop moving. Unresolved conflict. This one right here. Ah, do this. I did this this morning. I'm not saying this to you because of any other reason or or to speak about anything, but unresolved conflict destroys everything in the life of faith because it breaks apart meaningful relationships. Have that courage to say I was wrong. Ask for forgiveness. Move forward. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all people. Simple promises, those are the ones that I believe out of Joshua 1 that matter in a practical, pragmatic way. The whole New Testament comes off of one teaching that's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. I want you to see it. Habakkuk is a book in the Bible. It's one of the minor prophets. He, I think, was a a utility player back in the big leagues a long time ago. And so he's a minor prophet, but he made a minor prophet. But if you want to show me here real quick Habakkuk 2, 4, it says this. See, the enemy is puffed up. 
His desires are not upright. The world we live in lives in a world of arrogance and walking around proud. But the righteous, they will live by their faithfulness. The righteous will live by their faith. The righteous won't live by their beliefs. Hear me on this. It's going to be a little bit right at you in, in your faith. It's not what you believe that matters. It's what you have faith to do and act upon that matters. If you don't publicly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, do you really believe in your heart that he is the Christ who was given for you and have you received him as your Savior? You can't just like come and show up. The churches come to church and the chairs come to church every week. They're going to go to hell. They are. Don't go with them. Act upon that. Beliefs are a start, but beliefs only become faith when they are actions. Those actions move us forward. We move forward in real and pragmatic and meaningful ways. Look at James chapter 1, another verse for you, because sometimes I get into the Old Testament, people go, well, that was the Old Testament. Well, let me bring it in the New Testament. James chapter 1, do not nearly listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Ready? Say it with me. We're going to all say it today. Ready? Do what it says. Wait, you're saying that the Bible says, do what it says? Yeah, saying do what it says. Okay, I can't just believe something in my nog. I just have to do what it says. I can't just say, Shally, I'm going to marry you, and then not do anything. See, marriage is sort of, yeah, I know you love her, but we only know if you actually love her. And go do something about it. Same too goes with the faith. Do not merely listen to it and deceive. Notice this word, deceive yourself. Deceive yourself. It does say in the Bible, on that day when Jesus Christ returns, he'll say, there'll be people that will come and go, Lord, Lord, didn't we this? And didn't we this? And didn't we this? And he goes, depart from me. I never knew you. Belief isn't what saves us. It's belief that leads to faith. And by faith, you have been saved through grace. And that is the gift of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Um, when we move forward in James chapter, uh, verse 27, I want you to see something very powerful. By the way, you probably don't know this. There are six to 7,000 children a day that get one meal a day because of a farm that we bought in Haiti that feeds those six to 7,000 children. If you gave one penny last year, you helped to, to help people in Haiti have a meal in their lives. You were a part of that process. In Haiti, we have 121 kids that are in the orphanage. We have another 40 that are ancillary and part of that. We have four girls that are studying nursing in a university or studying in a university because our church is helping to support them and doing that. That's going on in Haiti. We had, we had just had Duncan and Jessica Olson and their children just come back from Ecuador. They were in Ecuador over Christmas. They gave their Christmas holidays to go down there and be with, a fam, be, be with the orphanage that we as a church support. 45 kids. If you gave one penny last year, you were a part of helping people in their lives whose lives have difficulty. If you gave one penny, you were a part of the ministry we serve and celebrate in India where there are 2,000 kids enrolled in that school and there are another 45 kids that are in that orphanage there and another 40 kids that are cared for on the side of all of that because you are saying we do this. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress 
and to keep oneself unstained from being polluted by the world. There are two things that that verse is calling you to do that the world kind of talks about, but we actually do. You ready? Do one, care for widows and orphans. We're doing that. You want to do more, give more. You want to be a part of it? You want to go over there when COVID releases or whatever like that? You are welcome to go and serve and care for and minister and be a part of that as the, as the, the Olson family did. They said, we love God. We're going to show it by actually doing something. Bless their lives. The second thing is, is you got to be an environmentalist if you're going to follow Jesus. I know I'm in Idaho. Just breathe with me, okay? I mean, some of you are right now. But you know what? It was God's people that actually were the first ones that were the caretakers of the earth. And it was God's people who we looked after the earth. And what I found is, is that if we don't get into a glossary of terms here for a second, you and I care about the well-being of the earth and all those kinds of things, right? You know where we start with that? The first pollution that we should have in our environmentalism is this, is that we should keep pollution out of our hearts. Don't be polluted by the stains of the world. The world's the one that's putting out all that grotex pollution that's saying Christmas is really about Santa, Easter's really about the bunny, right? That's what the world wants to say about all of that. We believe that it is about a Christ who came and a Savior who saved and a resurrection that happened so that we would have life. There's another translation here. It says, don't let your life be stained, stained by the things of the world. Read on with me. Romans chapter 1. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. I mean, God looked around and said, here, see what I made. It's beautiful. Though everything God made can clearly see, do everything he made, we can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but here's the rub. Ready? This is where you and I struggle. We know there is a God. That's belief. Next line. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. You see, we can believe in God, but it is the beginning of worshiping his name. Songs, yeah. But how you and I treat our employees tomorrow, that's worship. How you and I treat our neighbor, that's worship. How you and I treat our families, that's worship. All that we do brings glory and honor to his name. That's called worship. And in that, we have a spirit of gratitude, not grab more. Okay? Be grateful more, don't grab for more. Okay? And that is so hard to teach our kids because the world around us is saying, get, get, get. And God comes along and says, you have enough, you have enough, you have enough. So look what happens. Uh, And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. We see that going on all around us in pop culture. Look at verse 22. Claiming to be wise, instead they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. I mean, look at the world around us. You do know this, right? Maybe you don't. Okay. But let me walk you through back to the Old Testament for just a second. Okay. Is that the prophet Baal and the, the uh, sorry, not the, pro- the prophets of Baal, who was a, a, a demon that they were worshiping. So the people were worshiping them, came up against Elijah on Mount Carmel. So you had the prophets of Baal and there was subservient to that also the quote unquote, God Molech. Okay. The God Molech. And the two things that were required by Molech in the worship of Molech and the worship of Baal were this, is that in the Old Testament, go read it. I mean, it's right there in the scripture. Is that the the prophets of Baal was that Baal was required us, the people to worship the weather, 
which is why when it came down to that time, it had not rained in that, in that place for three and a half years. So they were worshiping the God of weather, Baal, and they were doing child sacrifice with Molech. What's so interesting to me is that in our world, it is obsessed with worshiping the weather and sacrificing children. That's old is new and new is old, right? It's straight out of the Bible. It says that they would do this and they worship what was made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Look, that worship of the weather and that worship of, uh, that requires child sacrifice has been going on as long as the book's been around. It just takes on a new form today. Keep reading with me. And the next verse, verse 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Next verse. Here's the important thing. Ready? Verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who was worthy of eternal praise. One of the greatest mistakes we make in our lives... Is, is that we worship the things of this world rather than worshiping the creator who made the world. Don't aim low. Look up. When we see great things, it's amazing. Look up. I've been to Iceland. Anybody here been to Iceland? It's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. It's phenomenal. I mean, it, 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 it is phenomenal. It's phenomenal how beautiful it is there. And I like that. But I don't worship that place. I look up to the God and go, you thought of this? It's amazing. Utterly amazing. Don't make the mistake of worshiping this way. Worship this way. Okay? Um, another thing to see here and note is that they traded the truth of God for a lie. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself. You see, one of the weirdest things is this, is that when we're taught to look down, we begin to worship everything around us, and we're now at the high point of humanity. Well, what we really do is worship ourselves. That's why we're so stressed. That's why we're under so much agony. That's why there's so much pain. That's why there's so much Xanax. That's why there's so much everything else. It's because it's really hard to worship yourself. And you know why it's hard to worship ourselves? Because we know we are not God. And we know our own mistakes. And worse yet, the people who live really, really, really close to us know our mistakes too. It's a sad thing to see the whole world beating itself up. Let me give you a few things that are practical here as we head towards our close. Big mistakes we often make when we pursue God uh, is this, is that number one, it's on your paper too, but we want, we want God to conform to us. We take the Ten Commandments and we turn them into suggestions, guidelines, considerations. We want grace to be decoupled from truth. Yeah, God saved me, but I want to do whatever I want. Now, but God saved me, but I want to do whatever I want. Now, but God saved me, but I want to do whatever I want. It sounds kind of cute in a Christian environment or whatever, and it sounds like, well, it's a little overstated, but you know what? There are people that do marriage that way, right? I want to be married, but I want to do whatever I want. How's that work? Not very well. I want to be in a family, but I want to do whatever I want. That doesn't work very well. Right? These things break down. Remember, when we break God's laws, the ramifications break us. 
We don't actually want to believe that our sin is actually a sin against the holy God. We just want to say, yeah, we're not perfect, right? I'm not perfect either. We prefer to blame someone else who hurt us as the basis of our lives rather than taking personal agency or personal accountability for our own selves. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't let someone else's life run your life. Hear me on this too. If you struggle with anger, here's the problem. You've just taken your keys out and you've given the keys to your life to someone else because all they have to do is hack you off and they own you. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Another practical thing, number two here, we want and need our expressions of faith to be culturally acceptable. Listen, if your friends struggle with you being a follower of Christ, it's okay. Don't live for their approval. Live for the approval of God. I I can remember names. I won't say them, but I can remember names of friends of mine who looked at me after I gave my life to Christ and went, yeah, dude, I don't want anything to do with you. That's okay. That's all right. I'd rather have the Lord in my life. Uh, number three, uh, we don't, don't spend your life making it all culturally accepted. Number three is we bind to culturally accepted forms of biblical truths. We choose to live by them. We, we tell lies as long as no one gets hurt. We look, but we don't touch. We prefer slogans like blessed versus obedience. We prefer slogans like, and I, look, I love this one, but live, love, and laugh should always should be subservient to what the wisdom of Proverbs says. Look what Proverbs 21, 21 says. It's again in the Bible. God's just tempting you, daring you to be willing to live by his faith. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. God's saying it is out there to have. Don't just believe, have faith. Now let's pause for just one second. Just be a pragmatist with me for a moment. The reason why I don't gamble is because I'm a math guy. I know the house wins more often than it loses. They didn't build those buildings off of losses that they had. Okay, quickest way to double your money, fold it and put it in your pocket. Okay, you wanna double it again, fold it again, put it in your pocket. I made a 400% return today. My bill is about that big. Put your hope in God. He is the one that will stand. Proverbs 21. We remind ourselves that God is God. We focus on it. I've given these papers. You can take them home. Here's my final verse for you. You ready? Romans 15, 13. It's an important one to know. Here's my prayer. Pastor Doug has commissioned me to pray it over you today, okay? And that is this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. If you want two dashboards on your life in 2022, you'll know when God is filling your life when you have joy and peace. Joy says, even if it's tough, I still have joy because the Lord is with me. He's not against me. My focus is joy, not happiness. Happiness is off the old English word happenstance. The word happenstance comes from the word chance. The word chance means this. Maybe it goes your way if you're lucky. Don't gamble with your life. Put your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. The sad part is this. When we do this, and it doesn't go our way, what happens is four letters become the big word of our life. F-E-A-R. We live in an era that has become more and more godless and is more and more fear-filled than ever I've seen in my 55 years. Fear runs around all over the place. 
I face the same maladies you face. I, seem, I face the same difficulties you face. We have troubles and travails all in our lives. Living by faith says, I will, I will take my fear to God rather than to myself. Okay? So that he may fill you and overflow with the Holy Spirit. I want you to see that church again one last time. So there's Boulder Valley Christian Church. that burned all around it. Still serves as a beacon of hope and light and life on South Boulder Road. I want you to see a picture for just a second uh, of that cross. That's the cross, and it's on the south, southwest side of the building. As you can see, CNN picked up on it. Somebody went inside the building and filmed it out, okay? And I want you to see something. You see, you see that blue thing that's in the lower left corner of that picture? You know what that is? That's a pole vaulting pit, on the back of Boulder Valley Christian Church, we set up a ministry whereby we teach pole vaulting to a bunch of the athletes around. Last year, of the like 35 state championships in pole vaulting in the state of Colorado, 25, kids, 25 of those kids trained on that pit. We are helping them become the best that they could be. Pat and Amy Manson had a vision for it. And we sat there in that building and said, could God work through it? Yes, and it did. I want you to see something is that all that stuff is the stuff I see in that picture. And now I want you to see something else. Okay, so go to this picture of the church in, in Big. So this is Boulder Valley Christian Church. We have 35 acres of land. Okay, you can see the building. You can see those two lines that are just on the south side of the building there. That's the bowl vaulting pit. If the wind's blowing really hard from one way or the other, you turn around and you run that way or you run this way. Okay, now what I want you to see down below all of that, if, let's go into the closer picture, okay, for just a second. So down here is the, is the solar field. It burned to the ground. Burned to the ground. I mean, that building was green energy all the way to the way, right? We are people of God. We do look after the things of the earth. I want you to see this thing. You see that, you see that little square there that's there? It's six of them down and four across. You know what that is? That's a community garden that was built. And anybody who needed space or wanted to grow their own food could go out there and grow their own food. That burnt. But you know what will happen in the spring? They'll replant. They'll replant. And then I want you to see that circle. You see that circle that's over there? It's kind of got that little trail that goes out to it. That was a prayer place. It's a place where people go and read Psalm 46:10. Cease and know that I am God. And you know what's there? It's that cross. And what's so amazing to me, it doesn't really matter, but what's amazing to me is that the fire came from the southwest and between where the fire was coming from and where the church sat was the cross. Was the cross. I hold on to the cross of Christ even though it is the foolishness uh, uh, of Christ, that he died on a cross for our sins. He did it to be a fool for us. And people will make fools of us because we hold on to that cross. But I'll tell you this, I'd rather hold on to that cross and let it stand between me and the fires of life than to have to let my bravado be what stands between me and life or to let my machismo be what stands between me and life, or to let my anger stand between in my life, or me and an addiction stand between me and my life, or me and some philandering to stand between, in my, between me and the difficulties of life. No, the, everybody has something that stands between them and the fires of life. Choose the cross, choose the cross, choose the cross, because it will stand. 
in your life. I told you at the beginning, I will pray over you and speak a blessing and, 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 a, and a pray a grace and a favor. I, I want to say this to some of you. Some of you have not yet had the pleasure or not known how to or not know where to begin yet to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's as simple as it begins with a confession. Romans chapter 10 says, if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord uh, with our mouth, we, it, we are saved. We will be saved. And then it says in Acts chapter 238 that we would then be repentant of our sins, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that that Spirit of God that is outside of us would then come inside of us and live in us and through us. You were not meant to live the life of faith without the Spirit of God guiding and leading your life. If you just believe, you're trying on your own. If you believe and Take the faith action of being baptized and then being filled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the living God will help you and bless you, encourage you, strengthen you, and stand with you as you stand with that cross in front of you and guiding your life. If you want to act upon that, then I want to invite you to do that today. We're going to close the prayer. They're going to close the service out just a little bit different here in a minute for all of us who are in the room. For those of you who are online, if the Lord is leading you to give your life to Jesus Christ, you have to tell someone. The faith comes with a confession. Call us, email us, let us know. Send a text to 72,000, FH New, and say, I gave my life to Jesus. I'd like to be baptized, and I want someone to pray over me if you're out there. If you're here, uh, we're going to pause for a moment. I'll come back up, and if you want to come forward to be prayed over, I will pray over you here in a moment. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.